Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. It's Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to It's Doomsday Podcast. Today is 7-23-2022, just after 6 p.m. And joining me this evening is Al. What's up, Al? Oh, I'm good, Jester. How are you doing? Oh, I am I'm doing good. absolutely fantastic. Um, guys, before we get into tonight's episode, the email, it's doomsdaypodcast at gmail.com. Find Al on TikTok at big underscore daddy prep. And find me on TikTok at it's doomsday podcast 2.0. And on today's show, guys, we're going to be getting into something uh, we, we maybe should have gotten to a long time ago, put some rumors to rest, things like that. We are going to get into solar flares. Solar flares are a big thing, Jester. Uh, they don't talk about them a lot, but I'm afraid that we need to because solar flares, flares can absolutely zap our communications, our ability to do anything worldwide. And it wouldn't take but just a second for it to happen. So, yeah, it's a, it's a huge issue. It doesn't get talked about a lot. So the one thing I'd like to do, first off, is put a rumor to bed. Everybody's out there saying the sun is more overactive than it used to be, and there's more solar flares going on now than there ever was. That's a very false thing that people are putting out there. The reality why we're seeing more solar flares now is because we have more ways to monitor the sun than we did before. So Absolutely. you're just seeing them more. It's, it's kind of like the COVID testing. Now, remember like when they said, uh, you know, the more you test for it, the more the numbers are going to go up. Kind of the same concept. We're seeing it more because we're monitoring it more. That's all. Right. Right. You know, in the 1600s, it was hard to see a solar flare compared to today where we pay people around the clock on multi-million dollar telescopes to sit and tell us every time one happens. You know, <laughs> in the 1600s, they had to kind of like, one guy thought he saw one one time, you know, something like that. But we're looking for them now, so it's a problem, yeah. Right, and so for those of you guys that really are unfamiliar with what a solar flare is, okay, there's a lot of energy in the sun, all right? There's a lot. And almost like how a lightning bolt happens here, you've got like this heavy radiated magnetic energy, okay? And it's like it's trying to burst out of the sun and eventually this makes a connection to have a very big reaction kind of like you know when lightning connects and then just boom and then it sends all this radiation and ions and all these things out into the atmosphere and that can reach the earth and it has reached the earth now for those of you guys that are unaware the earth has a magnetic field that protects us okay from these solar flares they get dispersed over this magnetic field. So what ends up happening as a result of these solar flares, believe it or not, are things like the Northern Lights. 
that's where that comes from. It's kind of a nice display of the chaos, death, and destruction that would once come from the sun. Um, right. But so the thing that I think everybody forgets, and this is like the one thing I wanted to tear into on this episode, Al, is it's not so much the solar flares hitting the Earth as much as it is. I mean, if they hit the Earth, it's bad. I mean, you're talking grid failure, whole nine yards, but it's mainly the satellite communications that we have in space and how much we rely on those. That's a big, big right. part of this. Right. Well, I've got a little definition here for you that really explains it in kind of a layman's terms. It says basically that a solar flare is an intense localized eruption of electromagnetic radiation in the sun's atmosphere. Flares occur in active regions and are often, but not always, accompanied by coronal mass injections, solar particle events, and other solar phenomena. The occurrence of solar flares varies with an 11-year solar cycle. So this is something we see frequently, but it doesn't have to be the end of mankind. But because we are so dependent on certain forms of, of communications and abilities to move information, i.e., like you're saying, satellites, we've become dependent on those. Those are crutches to us. We've become dependent on those. And they can be affected by solar flares. That's the reason why it's such a, a, a large problem for us nowadays. Our regular communications back and forth wouldn't be affected as much, but we're so dependent on satellites nowadays. You're right, and we're coming even more so dependent with the release of Starlink. I think that's like a big, big part of this, of how much more dependent we are. So check this out, Al. A study that was done by PCMag.com back in uh, 2018 stated that 8.4 million households relied on satellite internet. All right? Right. That's about 6% of America, according to the article. So think about this. Think about now that Starlink's going up, how much more people are dependent on this. Right. And this is this is just the internet. This isn't, you know, cargo ships coming over from overseas that have satellite phones that they're running for communications. This isn't guys that are using GPS tracking with uh, via satellite. That's none of that stuff. Not to mention our military assets up in space, our military satellites that are monitoring things. This is a big well, deal. Well, twenty or twenty-five years ago, whenever. I initially moved to Arkansas from Florida, and I got here. We still had a few, but not not many. Were they were hard internet lines? Those hard internet lines are almost gone nowadays. Almost everything is done wirelessly, like you said, through telecommunications like satellites nowadays. Back in those days, solar flares didn't affect much. But look how we've progressed since then. When we went to wireless, like we did with satellites, look at the things that are dependent on now. Most pay systems, communication systems. are So it's not so much the solar flares are worse now. It's just that we're more dependent on the things that solar flares can affect. So it makes it seem like it's happening more or it's more devastating to us. We've just, we've used those satellites as a crutch and they could be they could be decapitated by a solar flare. They could be put out of commission. But it's because we're dependent on them. They're just regular ground-based and wire-based telecommunications is completely different than that. Exactly. And so much so to where they're starting to, to develop uh, like hardened satellites, like satellites that are meant to deal with EMPs, satellites that are meant to deal with these high levels of radiation. 
from these solar flares because it is something that they're worried about. Now, I know the media likes to gaslight situations and, and throw shit out there for ratings. So you're going to see the media say, oh, no, there's a huge solar flare this week. Everybody be scared, right? Yeah. But the thing that they're not reporting on is what happens when one of these big things hits and satellites start dropping out of orbit. Right. To me, that's more scary. You're talking about all these satellites up in space. Say, you know, I don't know, say 50 of them get hit and become inoperable and they start crashing back to Earth. There's no way for us to combat that. <laughs> no, no. And you'd be amazed of how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of pieces of space junk that are already being monitored in space right now. You know, they actually have a website you can go to. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it you can actually track what pieces of space junk are where because we have so much junk that we put in our atmosphere you know uh suborbital atmosphere and things like that so yeah it, they could absolutely become missiles and you're they're unguided missiles because you don't know where they're going to end up at once they come back in earth orbit if they don't burn up they're going to end up landing someplace hopefully because the earth's like 70 percent water they'll land in the water but there's no guarantee on that all right, so just to give you guys an idea how many satellites are up there, this is an article from Pixelytics.com. Uh, this is from 2021. Communication satellites, 832. Earth observation satellites, 906. Technologically development demonstrate demonstrative satellites, 350. And navigationing positioning satellites, 150. That's just that's just a brief overview of what they have. They have more in there. But I mean, just to give you guys an idea, I mean, if a thousand satellites started dropping out of the sky, we'd be in really bad shape. Those are the ones they'll tell you about, too. Those are the ones that each one country knows that the other country has. There are satellites up there that we don't know that the Chinese have and the Chinese don't know that we have. So how many more are there added on top of that? And they may be hardened or not hardened, but there's there's tons of satellites up there that we don't even know about that you and I can't get a, a read on, you know. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. And it kind of makes you wonder um, if we shouldn't have some kind of a force up in space, you know, to monitor some of these things that are going on. Hey, preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. We have the Space Force. We have the Space Force. We have a Space Force now that, you know... Uh, President Trump, and he brought in in the last, I believe, last year of his administration, but it was really never defined what the Space Force was going to be for. You know, a lot of conspiracy theories say it was for things like this. Some say it was because eventually we will have to fight wars in space. So you don't know what it was really created for. But I do know this much. It's another agency that's separate. You know, it's a branch of the military, just like the Marines and the Air Force and everybody else is. So it's definitely there. Right. So just just to give you guys an idea that the whole Space Force thing it was basically the next the next war is going to be fought in space was kind of the belief around um, getting the Space Force going. There's a lot going up there that we don't going on in space that we don't know about, frankly. So the uh, the Space Force falls underneath the branch of the Air Force is where that falls. Now, something interesting, according to this article uh, that I was just reading from from Pixelytics.com. 
China is apparently the second uh, country with the most satellites up there, with the most operational satellites, right? We're number one, China's number two. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is I read an article not that long ago. I wish I could remember what website it came from. But they were stating how China is uh, looking at the Starlink satellites as their potential threat. And they're a potential threat because the Chinese citizens are able to gain information that they would otherwise censor and block because how the hell do you dra- how the hell do you block Starlink when it's a direct connect to a consumer's home? How do you right. block information? You can't do it. Um, right. But to get back, let's get back. Well, we went off on a little bit of a tangent there, guys. Let's get back into these into these solar flares and and the communications of this. So we know that you know we're heavy relying on these things as far as internet goes some satellite phones our gps but the big thing is is the military that utilizes the satellites a lot of the reason way we have the defenses our country does is because the satellites we have orbiting the earth monitoring what's going on letting us know what's going on and if you don't think they have missiles batteries up in space if you don't think there's already you know military ordnance in space I, I would call you a fool. They definitely have more up there than what, what they're telling us anyway. Oh, absolutely. No question. No question. Did you know that the largest solar flare was documented in the solar storm in the last 500 years was, uh, let me read this to you, 1859 is the Carrington event. The flare was the largest documented solar storm in the last 500 years. NASA scientists have said that it opens a a new tab, and it says that according to NOAA, the Carrington solar event sparked major aurora displays that were visible as far south as the Caribbean. So now imagine you've got the aurora effect in the north and around Antarctica. You could actually see those auroras as far as the Caribbean. Can you imagine that? Oh, yeah. And that's well, that's like what I was saying in the very beginning. That's how we get the northern lights are from these flares being broken up in, in the Earth's magnetic field. And I think, you know, I know there's I know there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, on this kick. The earth is flat. There's a per, you know, all this is a myth. The sun's not real. It's a hologram. I know there's a lot of people out there that have different beliefs. And I imagine some of them subscribe to this show and they did probably denounce a lot of a lot of science. Right. 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 <laughs> but that that's OK. Everybody's entitled to their own belief. But you guys got to understand that that, that that these are real. They are a real occurring thing. It's it's not a myth. These do happen. These have been documented throughout history. They, some of these solar flares and dark spots on the sun, this is, you know, after observing the sun for years, this is how they started to figure out that the uh, sun rotated, that it had an axis that it rotated on, right? Right. Because of seeing the different changes within the sun. And if with the technology that we have today, with the powerful telescopes we have today, they could actually look up and they could see these solar flares happening. And these these are wicked, wicked bursts of energy. Um, If we didn't have our magnetic fields, they could possibly destroy humanity. I mean, you're talking with the radiation and other things that are coming out of these things, humanity wouldn't survive. I mean... (laughs) These some of these flares, the energy in, that comes off of them, they could be coming in at three point six to twenty four million degrees Fahrenheit, right? Right, right. And they're going out thousands of miles from the Earth's sun, right? They're not just—it's not just like a little pop on the surface. I mean, 
These solar flares are more powerful than any nuclear bomb we possess on Earth. I've actually heard it said that a regular small solar flare, it is equivalent to many times all the power that we've generated on the Earth since the dawn of mankind all combined together one solar fire is like multiple times of that so think of everything that we've done on this earth and all the general all the you know everything from atomic bombs to electricity all that we have would not encompass one solar flare that's how much power is behind these so that tells you exactly how powerful they are so of course something that powerful as close as the sun is to us has to affect what's around it and the other planets that are around us as far as we know don't have life forms on them that we can prove at this point so of course it's going to change things with us here you know a solar flare you know we're very dependent on the sun as you know as you go outside every day you know how dependent we are on the sun so yeah something like that could, could definitely affect mankind cataclysmically but it doesn't necessarily have to either so there's a lot of people get worried about you know the sky is falling like chicken little and then there are people that say oh nothing's going to happen and you kind of got to get the middle of the road of this. Yeah, something could happen with a solar flare, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. We have ways around to try to prevent major difficulties happening with us. So I guess you got to kind of ride the middle of the line on that. You know, something I do want everybody to kind of bear in mind with this is, you know, actually prepping for a solar flare. Like, I'm not saying go out and buy a radiation suit. You're not going to see this thing coming. Um no. If the media sees it coming, it's going to be a gaslight situation to put everybody in fear. The media is not going to do something that creates widespread panic and, and looting and rioting in the streets. Unless, of course, that's what they want because we right. see them do that. But there are ways you can get prepared for this. And your biggest thing you would do to get prepared for this is things like preparing for an EMP, right? Preparing for grid failure. Those would be the things that you would want to do. If one of these things would take out our satellites, yes, communication is going to be down. Your GPS isn't going to work. So have alternate means of communications. But the other thing is, is, is the grid failure side of this. The grid failure comes with all kinds of trouble. Anything that has to do with grid failure, as in power, communication, things like that, basically set yourself back 200, 250 years and how we live life then. Obviously, man lived then and lived pretty well. And we've made huge advances and strides, but if something like this happened that did knock down the communications, did, did knock out the grid, civilization wouldn't just crumble. Yes, there would be mass loss of life because, let's face it, so, much of, so many of our aspects of daily life are dependent on things, but we've become a weaker man because of those systems but absolutely we could survive something like that the power grid went down communications went down it'd make life tougher and certainly there would be loss of life anything that affects the earth will cause loss of life but um, people lived 250 years ago and they didn't do that bad i mean folks led normal lives but we've advanced a lot in the last hundred years unfortunately i think sometimes that's our our weak spot, we have advanced so much that we think we couldn't make it if something happened and the grid went down. But 
Maybe we might have to prove them wrong one day. <laughs> we might be without the grid one day, so we might have to prove folks Oh, no, wrong. absolutely. I, I totally get it. And I guess I kind of want to... I guess I kind of want to push off this grid failure thing a little bit more. So, guys, the grid in this country is totally shit. It is the infrastructure of oh, our absolutely. electrical network. It, it's horrible. I mean, it, it takes round-the-clock maintenance, round-the-clock work. And I know everybody out there is thinking, well, solar flare is a one-time event. It's not like a nuke with all this destruction. We could go out there and we could fix it. Yeah, that's true. But it's going to take a very long time. You might be without power for months or potentially years depending on how much of the grid's affected. Anybody that's ever been through a, a tornado or a hurricane, you know, little bits get taken out. It's like, oh, they got to go replace 50 transformers. Okay, that takes weeks with many men to do it. So you're talking a solar flare that, that say, would take out the entire grid of, say, Texas or Florida. It's going to be months, potentially years, before the grid comes back online. Yep. And I mean, you know, you got to think you're you're trying to survive all four seasons. So you're talking about extreme heat in the summer in a state like Texas. And, you know, potentially if you're in a, a, a more uh, colder climate, you're talking about enduring horrible cold temperatures as well. And it's bad. You know, I've heard oftentimes heard dollar figures thrown around about how we could harden our infrastructure and what it cost. I'm kind of putting it in layman's terms. It would be like having a $100 bill and knowing that if you spent a penny to insure that $100 bill, that you'd always have the $100 bill. And not spending that penny to insure that $100 bill is about what it would be like to harden our infrastructure. But yet we can find money to, you know, like do monkey breeding and Angola research studies and things like that. But when it comes to hardening the grid, we don't seem to be able to want to come up with that money as the government has society. And certainly those people in Washington, they don't want to come up with that kind of money. But all these things could be fixed now before something happens. But finding the money for that seems to be a problem. They just keep wanting to push it back, push it back like nothing's ever going to happen. And I mean, we could have already hardened our infrastructure. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and what's funny is, is they push out these new infrastructure bills every year and they don't put it where it matters. That's that's no. one of the big problems. No. No, I agree with you totally on that. They're, they'll build bridges to nowhere, but yet they won't harden the infrastructure that it takes to continue <laughs> to have power in all 50 states and across the world. But th that's that's just a fact of life, unfortunately, for us here in the United States and across the world. So to kind of to kind of segue into the next part of this, um, I really wanted to get into kind of little preps you could do just to ensure that, you know, the grid fail. If, if we have grid failure, if we have the solar flares, that you're not going to be greatly affected by this yourself. Right. Yeah. So no, number one would be, you know, prep for this like you'd prep for grid failure. Right. Absolutely. Have, yeah. Have your backup battery banks, have your cell phones charged, have your your two way batteries charged up, have your flashlights, have your your gas lanterns, have propane for your grill in case you have a uh, case you have a, a uh, electric electric range, like an electric cooktop that you're relying on, things like that. Also, if you already have solar and you're concerned, this is something that would also be, you know, greatly affected by this. So you'd want to prep that like you'd prep any for an EMP, right? Right. Um, 
And then, I mean, there's a big mental side of this too. I mean, you, you guys got to understand a lot of us are so reliant on social media and being in the know and communicating and having the news and communicating with loved ones, all that could stop at a blink of an eye. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it would stop at the blink of an eye because if we have, they're going to make sure that communications and things and, and powers restored to the quote unquote, most important parts of the government and society first, before they worry about your home or your communications or anything. So it would be like instantaneously being cut off from everything. If it, if someone wasn't with an immediate earshot of where you're at, you wouldn't be able to get a hold of them. Now, Maybe in days or weeks or months, there might be communication set to where normal civilian traffic could happen. But it wouldn't happen on a, on a short, you know, 12 hours from now. They wouldn't be back online. That's just part of it. So, I mean, something like this that happens is going to be catastrophic to communications. At least they're going to make sure that the government and those that need to have communications, quote unquote, will have them first before you and I ever think about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's 100% right. And, you know, and guys, understand when you have a situation like this happen, the government typically wants to go out and secure critical infrastructure first in any capacity. So getting civilian cell towers back online, getting civilian Internet back online, that's not going to be top of the priority list. It's, it's going to be doing what the government needs to do to ensure their shit first then it'll go down to a civilian side then it'll be like okay you know now we got our now we got our communications up and running our satellites are good let's work on the civilian cell towers let let's work on that side of that which they will have government backing for i mean these large telecommunication companies they have government backing right but do understand too you know grandma that's on life support she's probably not going to make it someone that needs extensive medical treatment that relies on the grid they're probably not going to make it and that's where you need to mentally prepare yourself as well i agree totally you know they're they're not going to worry about grandma on life support when it comes to maintaining the security of the country uh, it's just it's not going to happen that that's where your loss of life comes in from those situations on down from then on out you know if certain people need to be in air conditioning they're not going to worry about whether one person dies compared to maybe a million people over here dying so they're going to worry about that first it's going to be those important things first and and unfortunately karen you're not going to get power on your street anytime soon so it doesn't make a difference how much you run around scream and talk about how you're paying for all this it's not going to make any difference you're not going to get your power karen <laughs> I always like to refer back to Karen's because when situations like this happen, Karen always thinks that she's the number one. Unfortunately, Karen, you're not going to make any difference. So, <laughs> No, no, Karen, in, in this respect, you don't matter. So one last thing I'd like to put out there for the prep side of this, too, is, guys, do understand when this grid goes down, so does your refrigerator. So any of your cold right. storage is going to be immediately compromised. So do have a backup plan for that. Like me, myself, I've been canning a lot more meats. I've been learning how to preserve things to where I, I, I'm not relying on refrigerators. That's something that I've been striving to do a lot of lately. Um, and I think that a lot of people should should be doing that. You know, do what you can to not be so reliant on the refrigerator. Right. And there's there are basics that you can follow. You know, sure, you want to make sure your battery banks are all all charged up and everything is at a hundred percent you've got batteries for everything you've got ulterior means of cooking but understand if you exhaust those 
you might have to go back to burn the fire or whatever it might be for cooking and water and things like that. Understand that you need to have foods that are easily prepared. Maybe it's just boiled water to get it together. Maybe it's just a can that you could pop open and put it over a fire. You know, there's not going to be extensive things. There's not going to be refrigeration and freezing and things like that. So canning things now, having things that are easily prepared later on, uh, understand that there's not going to be emergency services when this happens, at least for a while, maybe a long period of time, depending on where you're at. Unfortunately, for some countries, they're way further out away from modern services that we are here. But we would all be practically put on the same plane. I mean, we would be like some very small foreign countries that are third world countries. We would be put on the same plane as they are. They're used to living without air conditioning, without transportation, without communications in areas. That's where we would be at. But man survived before, so man will survive again. You can put yourself in a better place. So when we tell you to prep and get things for preparations we tell you this for a reason so that you're prepped for all things will a solar fire possibly happen one could happen today will it kill the world and knock out communications it could it's a slight possibility that these things could happen but you need to be prepared for everything and what do we teach do we teach the basics we teach food water clean air making sure that you have shelter things like that no matter whether or not the infrastructure goes down whether you have refrigeration or freezing whatever if you have canned things and preparations made ahead of time you will you'll survive a whole lot better and a whole lot longer than those who don't can you imagine what the cities would be like if we had a solar fire that knocked out communications gesture could you imagine what it would be like to be in downtown new york city or chicago or someplace like that if this was to happen I couldn't even imagine. And, like, I, I go back to this thought, too. Uh, whenever I used to work in law enforcement, we had radios where we would, we would communicate with dispatch. I'm assuming those would be taken out, too. So even if someone made it to the police station and said, hey, they're rioting down on Fifth Avenue, how they are they going to dispatch anybody? They wouldn't know. Yeah. How, how are they going to do that? But this also goes back to one of these preps that I teach basic as much as, I, as water and food is security, folks. When emergency services, when something like it, a chas we're talking about flares today, but it doesn't make a difference as a flare, EMP, an attack from outside. It doesn't matter. When services, emergency services stop, there is no 911. No one's coming to put you on a stretcher and take you to the emergency room and pat your hand and tell you it's going to be okay. No one's coming to break up your domestic squabble. No one's coming out there to make sure the dog next door quits barking. So you're going to have to maintain your own security. So when I say... Make sure that you have a security device, Second Amendment devices, things like that to provide security of yourself. I mean that because this absolutely could happen. There have been stoppages in emergency services many times before, like in Katrina and other areas. When a hurricane's going over, you can't call 911 and get any service. This is basically what we're talking about, but on a much wider scale. Hey preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. Right, and the idea of how many people are going to be losing their minds when they can't communicate with loved ones. I mean, how many 
how many husbands are going to go wild or wives are going to go wild when they can't get a hold of the suspected cheating spouse? And here's the thing, Jester, having a plan, <laughs> having a plan. My wife and I, we have plans. We have lots of plans for lots of things to happen, but we have rudimentary plans of what do we do if communications, if we can't communicate with each other, what do we do? It's bedrock. This is what we do. Boom, boom, boom. Our plan is we will get back to our home. One way or the other, we both get home because we know where that's where the other person is going to be or is going to be coming to. So we're not out looking for each other, not running all over the place. Get home. By hook or by crook, get home. Then together, we can work out from there. So you have to have a plan for your yourself when, when these situations happen. You know, you can't go out willy-nilly with no communications and no power. I'm going to go out and look for my loved ones. No, have a plan now before it happens. Don't wait until it happens to figure out what happens. Have a plan now and install that plan. We did this many years ago. Right, exactly. And, I mean, that's what everybody should have. Everybody should have a rally point in the event of emergency, disaster, anything is to go wrong. Everybody should have that disaster plan put in place. Al's plan is to get home. My plan is to get either to my wife's work or for her to get to the house. Right. right. That's depending on where we're at, what's going on. If I'm passing the business before I'm getting to my house, then I'm obviously going to stop there if I see her vehicle there. But I know if I don't see it, I'm going straight to the house. Absolutely. And it's, and it's me. It's for the main idea that when you have these shit breaking or these breaking bad situations, shit, it's the fan situations happen. People are going to lose their minds. There's going to be chaos. It's going to get dangerous very, very quickly. And I want to make sure my wife is safe. My kids are safe. And if I got to be the one to go out there and, you know, deal with marauders and chaos and people losing their minds to ensure their safety, that's just what I'm going to do. Absolutely. That We installed our plan years ago, and it was very simple. I made a plan, and she sat down and listened to the plan. I said, now, do you do you see any changes we need to make? And she said, no, it sounds like a good plan. So you don't have to have input from 17 different people to make a plan. Maybe you just make the plan. Then talk it over with your significant others, whoever's in your circle, Get it refined now. Go through any drills or anything that you need to now. So when it does happen, it's automatic. It just clicks in your mind. Okay, first thing I do, got to get home. Get to home base. That's what I need to do. It's kind of like a muscle memory for your brain. Once you make these plans, you go over them. And every once in a while, I'll just stop her and I'll ask her two or three questions. It has to do with our basic rudimentary plan. And she knows what it is. But we, we quiz each other on it. What do you do if this happens? What do you do if that happens? So at least we're on the same base. Right. And guys, do remember, everybody's plan is going to be a little bit different, and you're going to have to modify it to your needs. Right. So my plan and Al's plan might be vastly different than your plan. Okay. Might have the same goal in the end, but the plan might be different to get there. Exactly. So just, you know, that's, I mean, that's step one in all this is, is you know, if this happens, if a shit, it's the fan situation happens, if the solar flare happens, what's our first step? What are we doing? What's our end goal? What, what's our end game here? Where are we going to meet up? What are we going to do? What, what are our priorities here? I mean, it could be as simple as you live alone and you say, hey, total grid failure. I'm going to the house and I'm just going to sit there. I mean, your that, plan could, it could that's be a that plan. simple. That's yeah, a plan. It, <laughs> I mean, it so, is a plan. 
Maybe that maybe that's your plan is to get home to where you can maintain where your where your your base is, where your preps are at, where your loved ones are, or just yourself by yourself is there. Maybe that is, but but that is having a plan. But if you go into this, especially, I always say the more people you have in your plan, that if you're not making a plan, then you're really you're really neglecting here. If it's just you, then you know what your plan is, you know what you're going to do. But if you have multiple people, you need to discuss and plan these things ahead of time. Go over these plans. Don't wait to the last second. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think that's what a lot of people do. They like, they like to wait in so I get the tinfoil hat thing all the time. I wear that tinfoil crown, and everybody always tells me, oh, nothing's going to happen, nothing's going to happen. You guys are worrying for nothing. And these same people that say that are the people that didn't have a plan put in place, and then when something breaks bad, they're like, we don't know what to do. I was Did picking it- up another bag, a 20-pound uh, bag of uh, rice today in the, in the line, and a lady said to me, Ooh, you must eat a lot of rice. I said, no, I'm just planning for the apocalypse. I put it in my bag, and I walked off, and I left her standing there thinking about that for a second. And she reached down and got a 20-pound bag of rice, too, because she knew I wasn't crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm just planning for the apocalypse. Never well, miss no. a beat. <laughs> no, no, you don't. I mean, but that's I guess that's like kind of just the thing I want to push to the listeners is, you know, guys, it's only crazy if you get stuck in that scenario and you don't have anything put in place, there are situations that happen all the time. And, you know, with me and Al, it's not all doom and gloom. You know, it's a lot of the things we talk to you guys about are preparing for everyday emergencies. And, you know, and I'm going to tell you guys something, definitely do this. If you're not sharing the show out, if you're not telling a friend about it, if you're not trying to wake other people up around you, it's going to be to your own detriment. The more people you get around you, that's prepared, that's getting on the same page as you, that you can get, just as like-minded as you are going to be less people that have to come to you for reliance if something does happen and it's only going to ensure their safety so think about that you know jester one of the one of the best compliments a person can give me and i've gotten it a couple times lately they'll say that they listened to the show that you did and i did or we did or i did it doesn't make any difference who's on it or what but they say they listened to a show that we were we were part of and that it changed their mindset about prepping or it got them to prepping or it made them understand that their prepping wasn't crazy and that, you know, people have said that they were crazy for prepping in the past. When people tell me that, that's one of the nicest compliments I can get because I know that somewhere we changed someone's ability to, to be able to survive. Maybe it was multiple people. Maybe they made a plan for 30 people in their circle. So, yeah, that's a compliment. And I, I, like, I like them every once in a while. It makes, makes me feel good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, just, you know, you guys know I prep for my kids. That's my big thing. I want to ensure that they're going to survive whatever happens, and I want to ensure my family's safety. You know, I don't want them to be eating dirt and living in the mud. I want them to be happy in their home, you know, at least enjoying what remaining days we may have left. You know, right. and to me, that that's what it's about. But, again, guys, it you you can't just ignore all these situations at some point you got to get on board and say you know what i at least got to get a first aid kit i at least got to get a flashlight i at least should have i should at least have a can of fix a flat in the car like i should at least get a gallon of gas or get a full tank of gas in my car before i come home i should at least do that yeah Those, those things right and i mean and again these aren't things like a lot of the things we tell you guys to prep 
me and Al have never told you to go out and spend, you know, $40,000 on a bunker or go out and buy $10,000 worth of freeze-dried food. We don't tell you guys that shit. Nope. <laughs> we never. say, hey, do these, do, these, do these little normal things that are easy and cheap to do, and they're going to make a big difference in the long run. Just be, be logical with yourselves. Right. Would you rather go out and spend $1,000 and buy something today that you don't need, or would you rather spend a little bit every week, and as things grow, you go, God, I got so much stuff, and you're like, then you look around and you go, God, I got so much stuff. I am doing good. You know what I mean? I, I've really planned. But spread it out. You know, tell other people about it. Tell other people about, about prepping, and you don't have to tell them your preps or what you do, but, but encourage them to prep. Maybe you'll bring other people into the fold because the more people we get across, we drag across the finish line, the easier it is for us to run this race. You know, that's one thing Jester and I have said since the beginning. We got to we got to get more people across the finish line. Whether we, we take them running with us, whether we got to drag them kicking and screaming, we got to get more people across the finish line, and we're doing that. It's just it's a slow process oh it absolutely is and now that's about all i got you got anything more you want to throw into this uh solar flare topic get your sunscreen folks we might have one sooner or later <laughs> but don't let it scare you there perfect all right guys we'll catch you on the next one thanks for tuning in today and if you guys don't know Al's doing a live show on Podbean. Al, how many nights a week? Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we we do it on go. prepping and things like that. So if you if you enjoy that kind of content, come see us. It's 8 o'clock Central Standard Time on Podbean. Awesome. And after you guys get done listening to this episode, do understand today's Monday. I'll be live on Monday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Podbean app. If you're not getting over there, you should get yourself over there. Great topic, right. guys. Great right. topic. Right. is an emergency action message. At approximately 1 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Nora is tracking 15 ICBM nuclear missiles inbound to the following cities. Orlando, Miami, Pittsburgh, Dover, Newark, Richland, Philadelphia, New York City, Baltimore, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Boston, Seattle, Detroit. This is an extremely deadly situation. Stay tuned, the next emergency message will be a presidential address.